you know, everything is about right now is about immediate gratification. Kids don't have that patience anymore. They, right. some of them lack that grit to really grind and get to where they aspire to be. There's no app for getting better. You know? <laughs> we just want to push a button and be better. And it doesn't work like that. This episode is brought to you by West Coast Beach, a year-round beach volleyball club on the west side of Los Angeles in Santa Monica, California. At West Coast Beach, we aim to get 1% better every day, both on and off the court. You can find more info about us at westcoastvbc.com and on Instagram with handle at westcoastvbc. All right, I'm here with Mary Jo Deutsch. Thank you so much for being here, Mary Jo. Mary Jo is a friend of mine, a colleague. Um, 30, she spent 32 seasons as the Crossroads volleyball coach and she's still there. She's the co-founder of the Little, Little Dolphins by the Sea and a, uh, a preschool and transitional kindergarten in uh, the Pacific Palisades. And uh, I'm going to read a quote that I got off your website because I was inspired by it to start this. From an early age, I taught, coached, tutored, and worked with people of all ages, working to inspire them to be their best self in the classroom, on a court, and as a person. Absolutely love that. Mary Jo, thank you so much for being here. Not a problem. I'm excited. Love being here. <laughs> yes. Okay, let's get right into it. What does living an inspired life mean to you? Living an inspired life. Well, I hope I live an inspired life. And I think it means, for me, it means living within myself with gratitude and maintaining perspective. Each and every day I wake up, it's like, say, being true to yourself while you're still empathetic to others, which is incredibly important to me. And it's like knowing yourself knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses, knowing that your greatest strength is probably also your greatest weakness and knowing how you can use that to better yourself. Um, it's, you know, it's a combination of knowing as Oliver, when Oliver was five, he, my, my son, he had a hard time sleeping because he couldn't understand what would make his heart happy. And he was just so determined to find out what would make his heart happy. And I thought, wow, that's really how you can be settled within yourself is when you know what makes your heart happy. And as an adult, it would make me think about what made my heart happy. But how do you explain that to a five-year-old? And he one day came to me so inspired and so had this look on his face. And he said, mom, I know how your heart can be happy. And I said, how's that? And he's five. And he said, it's your attitude and your soul. Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh-huh. He said, your attitude is what everyone else thinks about you and your soul is what you think of yourself. And if they're not the same thing, your heart will never be happy. He's five. So I thought about it and I thought, you know, we talked a lot about attitude, especially as an ad athlete telling him that his attitude is what represented him and his soul was really what was in him. And he came up with the concept that if they weren't the same thing, you'd never be happy. And I think he's right. It's a matter of what you think of yourself, the belief you have in yourself, combined with the people around you are really what leads you to lead an inspired life. I don't know if that makes sense, but that absolutely makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense you know, to think that a five-year-old simplified it so much. It was, and it's very funny because he couldn't sleep for like a year before that. <laughs> Next day, out cold, out cold for the rest of his life. So it was all good. What a cool but, realization. And it's, you know, I think I'm a big proponent of fun. And I know you know that about me. I'm, and fun to me isn't laughing and playing and being silly. It's really 
enjoying the process. It's like putting 100% of the effort into something, engaging, being a part of something, and enjoying that process. I think John Wooden in his pyramid called it enthusiasm. And it's hopefully something that spreads to other people. And it's, it's being passionate. And it's really about, it's like when I, was, when I was in school, I went to Princeton, where most people think of it as a pressure cooker. And for me, people say, how'd you like Princeton? And I'm like, oh, it was so fun. And everyone's like, fun? <laughs> and I was like, it was, I wasn't a partier. I wasn't a wild kid. I was a complete solid student athlete. But it was fun because I was so engaged, so invested. I felt so good about myself. I thought I was learning. I was growing. I was meeting people from all over. It was, it was fun. And my father said to me, when I first started, he said to me, take the classes that you'll get up at 8 a.m. for. Take what inspires you. Take what, just what motivates you and just go for it. And so for me, that was fun. I was engaged. I was active. I was proactive. I was happy. And that to me, that's what I mean by fun. So fun is a huge part of what I do. The other thing I think for me in an inspired life is that early on, my father taught me to be a sharer, not a giver. Mm. And he'd say, be a sharer, not a giver. And at first I was like, well, what's, I was young. And I'd say, what's the difference between a giver and a sharer? He say, well, when you're a giver, you can give and walk away. But when you share, you give of yourself. And if you give of yourself, you invest. And that is far more satisfying. And so to me on any level, you know, sharing is really, it's giving of myself, being a part of something, investing in it. And whether it's my family, my players, an organization, it doesn't matter. If I share of myself, I'm part of it. It's so satisfying. It's fun. It's passion. You stay connected. And so for me, I've always tried to be a sharer and that's really part of living an inspired life. Wow. That is absolutely beautiful. I love that. This project is for uh, the youth athlete, inspiring the youth athlete. So talk to me about practice. What does having an inspired practice mean to you? Inspired practice is, to me is one where everyone is engaged. Everyone is working to be their best self. And yet at the same time, kind of being their best self, working with the other people to support them, to make them their best selves. If everyone's engaged on the same page with a common goal, working together to achieve it and enjoying that process at the same time, that's an inspired practice. You're trying to lay a foundation for what you're trying to do, which is be successful towards winning games, having a goal, setting that goal and trying to achieve it. And I've always said, if you can inspire people to be their best self, on and off the court, you're going to be successful. Um, it's going to happen for you. Um, and I think it's really about the process more than the end game. Um, I think, you know, it's also when I hire my assistants, I always ask them, I always say, you know, name me every teacher you've ever had. And they name like three or four that are important. And then I'm like, okay, name me every coach. And they rattle off a whole list of coaches and they go, oh, he was terrible. Oh, he was great. Oh, he was, he was great. And I say to them, look, you remember every coach you ever had. Now that's you. So you're going to have an impact. You can have a positive or a negative impact. You make that choice. So it's really about having an inspired practice and starting with the coach, inspiring your players. And then at the same time, allowing yourself to be inspired by your players. And if it's a give and take, I think the practice will be an inspired practice. And building on that, what's the flip side of that? What about an uninspired practice? Because I know it does happen, happen often. Oh, it 
and 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 what does that look like and what are some tools that you can offer to flip that in the moment to get back to an inspired practice i think an inspired practice is one where people are just disengaged they're not they're not focused on what they're doing they're not focused on themselves their teammates on the task at hand it's really a loss of focus mm. and I think you have to bring back that focus sometimes you have to stop the practice and depending on your style of coaching you know redirect them engage them back and how you can do that is through maybe throwing in a drill you know is high energy that is always usually successful and flipping a switch and getting them to go back into it or if some one person is not engaged or struggling and attitude is kind of in the dumpster it's really engaging them and bringing them back building them up to re-engage them get their teammates to support them and then as everyone starts feeling better about themselves, better about what they're doing, they'll become more engaged. And it's really about telling them that, that practice, practice isn't about that day. It's not about that moment. It's really about working towards a goal. And it's not always going to be perfect. You know, it's like watching a baseball player strike out. It's not always, you're not always gonna hit a home run. You're not always gonna, you know, hit 600. It's just, you have to just really know yourself and know that one thing that you can do better try and take that. If you're not swinging well, hey, dig some balls. You know, if you get some aces, pass a ball, do something else. And that confidence will hopefully then carry over into what you're struggling with. That's awesome. How about an inspired game? And I'd really like you to put yourself into an athlete's mindset instead of a coach mindset and, and, and try to feel what it's like. Because when, you know, just think back when you were competing and those inspired games that you've had, and you've actually told me about some of them before. So I was wondering if you could maybe you know, get into that. Inspired, yeah. Inspired game is when you're just in the flow and you're just, you're just working so hard and you're so focused and so concentrated that nothing else matters. You don't hear anyone else around you. You're just in and you just know, and you have that confidence that you know that every pass is going to be perfect. Every set, every swing, you just feel it. And you feel that, and you feel that all that work that you've done is paying off that you don't even have to think about it. It's muscle memory, it's attitude memory. It's just it's you going forward and being, and knowing that you are in control. And volleyball is hard because you aren't in control. When right. so much has to be for you, you can't create for yourself. So you have to be that positive person inspiring the people around you to also support you because you're reliant upon them. So when you're in it and you're in that flow and you're in that inspired game, when you just, really feel like you can do no wrong and you want the ball, you aggressively engage, you aggressively invite the ball to come to you. You're hoping it comes to you, you're not wishing it out. You're not wishing that they serve someone else. You're aggressively wanting it. And that's really what the inspired game is. It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of a weird way to say it, but aggressively wanting it because you have the confidence, you have the practice behind you. You have the confidence of your teammates, the confidence of your coach. And you just know that you can do it. Well, let's build on that because um, that's, I feel like that's a really important part of any athlete's journey is to find that flow or find that feeling of being in the zone or locked in. So right. can you identify when you're in that moment or does it just kind of just come and go? I think flow to me, no, I think, I think you can identify. This flow is really about confidence to me. It's mm. about feeling it. It's about engaging. And when you're not in it, sometimes you just need to relax, find something that's going to bring that back to you. Because all athletes, if you're in a game and you're playing, no matter what level, someone has confidence in you that you're playing. 
whether it's you, your coach, your teammates, some, someone out there has confidence, could even be your parents, you know, falsely, but they have confidence in you that you could do it. And so sometimes you have to sit back. And I know for me, like I know as I was in my playing days, and I'd be frustrated and not playing as well as I want. Then I'd look around and I'd think, oh my God, I'm playing a game I love. I'm doing something I love. How lucky am I to have this opportunity, you know, to start on a team that's doing well or to participate and to do, it's like almost like I say to my kids when I coach, like, what do you bring to the table? You might not be a starter. Maybe you bring great energy off the bench. Maybe you bring leadership. What, what, you have to sit back and think, hey, what do I bring? What do they need from me right now? And when you realize that, then maybe your swing is off, so you're not bringing your swing. Maybe you bring that energy, that enthusiasm. What's going to bring you back into that confidence and that flow? And that's part of it. Um, I like that. And, and what comes to mind for me, and I don't have this written down, it's just coming to me right now, is when I'm not in the, in the flow, and I'm uninspired maybe, or I'm struggling, you know, which, which happens a lot, you know, you're, you're, you're struggling. Sometimes I remember really high quality reps that I've taken in practice. Like there's like actually a couple that I can remember through my whole career right now, the rep that felt really good. And so sometimes what I'll do in the game is I'll try to, I'll try my best to remember the feeling of that rep that I took that felt so good. And you're talking about the purity of something. When, when you do something so effortlessly, so purely, and right. we've all had it, it's like a golf ball so purely knowing, oh my God, I can do it. Or swing that's just so pure. Right. Knowing you can, it's confidence. And it's owning it. It's really about owning it. And it's also knowing that all you can control is yourself. So how do you own this moment? And you can either let it go out the window or you can try and bring it back. Yeah. And it's, it's like life. It's all about choices. So, so that feel. oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, what do you choose to do in that moment? Do you just let yourself slide or do you choose to bring yourself back? It's really about choices. Love that. Choices. Yeah. I think all of life and anything you do is all about perspective and how you look at it. And that's a big part of who I am. So how you, and and it's your choice. How do you choose to look? Do you choose to look at it with gratitude? Do you choose to look at it like it's someone else's fault? Do you choose to look at that you own it? that you're responsible for it, that you control yourself. How do you choose to lead? What's your perspective? I think that's really important. Love that. Love that. I just want to stay on that for one second with the, the idea of being in the zone. Can, is it possible to bank that feeling, let's say, in practice? Let's say you're, you're doing great in practice. I think you have to actually identify it for some kids, though. Right, Some right. kids get it. I think it's like any, anything. Some people get it. Some people don't. But I think if you identify it, especially when people are starting to learn a game, when they do something well and they do it fluidly and you identify it and say, wow, did you feel that? And they're like, yeah, I did. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. remember that feeling. Identify that feeling. Bank it in your memory because that's what you're going for. So they have something to go back. It's that foundation and that's what practice is all about. So flow and practice is as important as flow in a game. I think and it's really, think- yeah. Uh, sorry, I, I was just gonna say, I think it's really important as coaches to, to remind players when they are in the flow. Hey, right. like you're locked in kid, like stay locked in. Yeah. Yeah. Identify it. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And, and feed it. You know, if you have the hitters in the, tell your setter, set them the ball, you know, feed them right. and give them that. Cause it's flow is also about confidence because it's, 
you know, it's, it's knowing you can make it. It's knowing you wanting the ball, knowing if they serve to you, you're going to do a perfect pass, knowing and just having that confidence. So if someone else has confidence in you also, a coach, teammates, whatever, it's going to even get you more in the flow. Cool. I love that. Uh, let's move on to emotion. What are the differences and similarities in emotion from both an inspired practice and an inspired game? Hmm. 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 Emotions. What emotions? What are the emotions? Um, I think it's a feeling of satisfaction. Mm. You know, I think it's really, it's confidence, satisfaction, and it's knowing, like I said, knowing you can do it. And the emotion isn't, because you don't want to be so emotional because when you're so emotional, right. you get outside yourself. But if it's from within and it's a confidence and a satisfaction and a feeling that, and feeling good about yourself, that's really the emotion you want to attain. And so it's also the more emotion, the more satisfied and the more confidence you have and the better you feel, it's like the more proactive you are also. The more you'll go out there and get it, the more you'll advocate for yourself and, and even others. And it's just really about, um, I, you know, for me, it's really about satisfaction and confidence and feeling good about oneself. That's such a big part of being inspired, I think. At least for me, it is. Beautiful. How does the inspired feeling transcend one's sport or discipline and carry over to their personal and daily life? Well, come on, we've all seen it. We've had kids that play for us who maybe aren't being successful in school or not being successful socially, and yet they're successful on the court. And you identify that and you identify what they have to offer. Mm. Hopefully that confidence, you know, goes somewhere else. And it's like, you know, it's like, well, I'm not very good at this. I'm not very good at that. Ah, but you're good at this. And you could, with a little work and a little structure, be successful over here. And it's like, if you've, I mean, honestly, if, if a kid feels good about themselves or a player or an adult, it's amazing what you can do, not only for yourself, but for others. If you don't feel good about yourself, you can't do a lot for others either. If that makes sense. You that know, does make sense. Absolutely. You need to feel good about yourself. And you are, um, you know, it's, it's, it's wanting to do something for others and wanting to take the pain and, and turn that into something positive. Um, yeah, it's, um, emotion is, you know, I think being, I'm not someone, I have emotion, I can be emotional, but I think it's more about taking that emotion and channeling it into something good for myself and for other people. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I just want to say that I think it's incredibly important to learn how to manage your emotions from a young age. You know, because manage, yeah. managing, because we're all emotional and we're human beings, you know, and, and if we can manage our emotions in a really constructive, productive way, then we can use them to our advantage. Well, it's a, I think you're right. Productive is the most important thing. And it's also going back to attitude. It's like, as a little child, you know, I would take my kids and we watch baseball games and we watch basketball. And when someone had a bad attitude or acted out there so emotionally, I would point out to them, they might be an amazing individual, lovely, but what we see is that emotion which comes off as attitude. And that's where Oliver got the, you know, your attitude is what everyone else thinks about you. And so it's really about taking those emotions and realizing how, 
how to use them, how they manifest within you and how they represent you and using them for, you know, for good rather than for show or for bad. Or even if it's, you're super happy and super emotional, sometimes that can come off as arrogance. Right. It's, just, you have, it's not that you want to always be aware, but you have to have some sort of self-awareness. Love that. Love that. Self-awareness. Let's move on to mindset. Can you talk a little bit about mindset and what the mindset looks like or some, some of the self-talk that comes up pre, during, and post trainings and games? The mindset. Yeah, I think, again, when you walk in a gym and you're part of a team, especially as part of a team, you should know what you bring to that team mm. and that you are a valuable part. What, what do you bring? And whether it's you're the biggest kill leader, you're the best player, whether it's you are the most you know, inspirational as far as your work ethic and practice, or everyone brings some, players one through 12 all bring something different. And you should feel good about what it is you bring to the team. You might aspire to bring other things eventually, but what do you bring at that moment? And make sure that you do that one thing at that moment. And that that part is necessary as being part of the team and that you are important. Every player is important and you need to know that. So that is your mindset is here's what I bring and I've got to do it to the best of my ability. And in the process, I'm going to take from others and what they bring, hopefully learn and expand what I bring to this team. That's great. Um, building on that self-talk, I think is extremely important in all sports, but specifically in volleyball or in sports that have a lot of stoppage time, right? And that stoppage time adds up, right? And so- self-talk, gotta be positive self-talk. Can you give me some examples of that positive self-talk? I think, you know, we talk a lot in timeouts about like wanting the ball, wanting it, wanting, like I was saying before, aggressively wanting to be a participant and wanting to play. And to do that, you have to say to yourself, I am good. I can do this. I can pass this ball. I can swing. My team needs me to be positive and be proactive for myself. And it's really all about positive. You can't let the negative, when the negative thoughts pop in, which they always do, you shank a ball and you're like, oh my God, please don't serve me. You know, please don't serve me. When that happens, one, you're going to get served. And two, you just need to switch your mindset to being the reason I'm on this team, the reason I'm a libero, the reason I'm a DS, the reason I'm in right now is because my coaches have confidence in me. My teammates have confidence in me. I can do this. And it's not, even if you don't have confidence in yourself, look around. There's a reason you're on the floor. You're on that floor because you are good. You can do this. You got to go back to that feeling of that sweet spot and saying, I can do this. I can do this. And I think as coaches, you know, we have to talk about self-talk. We have to talk about right. having that mindset of being positive and not beating yourself up and not letting the negative thoughts creep in, which they're going to. And once they do, how do you get them out? How do you say, you know, oh my God, I've hit three balls in a row out. I've gotten roofed three times. I can't swing anymore. This, this block is too big. It's like, okay, how can I be creative? And I think, you know, we talk sometimes in my practice about creative mindset. And that's like, when you're not doing one thing well, how can you creatively get yourself out of this? What is it? And everyone is different. Everyone is different. You know, it can be you're an outside hitter and you're off and then you go in the back row and you get three great digs and that's, and you're like, Hey, I can do this. 
or you go back and you get an ace or you hit a jump serve and it's the same swing that you're taking outside. How do you transfer that? How do you transfer that confidence into, and you do it by your own mind, by leading yourself and saying, believing in yourself. And I think yeah. some kids, you know, I think it's interesting because some kids need to take those tools off the court too. It's as important off the court. I was just going to say one of my biggest mentors other than you <laughs> is uh, Coach Sue Enquist uh, from UCLA. And she would talk about weak voice and strong voice and how that when, you, when you're finished with competition and you're done with your sport, whether you won or lost, it's important to remember how to transform weak voice into strong voice instantaneously. And, yeah. um, and, and I would completely agree with you that that one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in my life with sports, just being an athlete and a coach and being a part of sports is learning how to do that very quickly when you're outside of a sport, when you're in daily life, when you're in just, you know, random situations that might not be so good. You can, you can transform weak voice to strong voice. Yeah. hundred percent. And yeah. you're in, I think part of it is always, I mean, I always tell my kids, I tell my players, always consider the source. Mm. Who's telling you? consider the source considering the source if someone is telling you you're not good you're not doing well whatever look at them if it's someone you admire someone you respect maybe you should think about it i love but that if someone, but if it's someone who is a hothead someone who you don't respect so much or you don't always agree with consider the source and you know and really listen to those voices of those who you respect and include yourself within that you respect yourself. You have confidence in yourself. Listen to yourself, but also listen to those around you who are people you respect, you admire, you like, you know, the ones that you don't, you know what? Like I always say, consider the source. It's maybe not that important, you know? That's great. That's a perfect segue into sources. Um, where do you get inspiration from? Where do I, um, coaching or life-wise? Either one, well, both. They're kind of the same. They're one and the same. Um, you know, I think it comes from my parents. It comes who led very, very inspired lives, very inspired lives. Um, and it comes from my children and it comes from my players. It comes from everyone around me. I mean, it's really, I think it was led off by my parents. I grew up in a family. I think, you know, I had two parents who were both very sick. My mom had MS. She was a D1 two sport athlete. And was hit with MS when she was 26. Didn't have me till she was 40. Wow. When I was in grade, my father was diagnosed with a form of pancreatic cancer. Um, so they both were, had lots of challenges. They were the most positive, proactive, inspired, amazing individuals that I could, could, could ever imagine having. So the role models I had were just inspired people who literally Woke up, my father woke up. I mean, I think about this now within this coronavirus. When he was at his sickest, it didn't matter. He'd wake up every day, take a shower, and get dressed like he was going to work. He had no chance of going to work. But he felt like the only way he was going to be productive that day, whether it was just reaching out to a friend or doing, was he had to feel like he was going to be a productive member of society. Wow. And, you know, my friends were like, yeah, I've been in my sweats all day now. I don't go anywhere. And I get up every day. I get dressed take shower, like I'm going to be productive. And I know I got that from my dad, you know, and that's, it was inspiring to me. Um, my mom, same thing. You know, her, she was such a, she was Arthur Ashe's um, hitting partner at UCLA. She was cool. just a very physical, she's a great athlete. 
and then to have all your physicality taken away from you really changes, you know, who you are, but it didn't change who she was at all because she was this very loving, giving, fun, loving, fun individual. And she kept her spirit the whole time. So what are their names? Your parents? Um, my parents' names were Frank and Dorothy Grisanti and they were, um, a combination for those of people who are old enough to remember a combination of Lucy and Ricky Ricardo and Ozzy and Harriet. I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's so yeah, awesome. They, they, were, they were both doers and inspiring. Um, and they inspired me to be my best self. Mm. Never, you know, there was never a doubt in their mind about me. They would always say, follow your passion. They supported me. They, they were way ahead of their time. My parents came to every game I ever played. My father came to every game I ever played. He was running big corporations and he um, made time to come to all my games, all my home games, which nowadays is common. But, you know, in the seventies, that was not con He was always the only dad there Wow. and um, made a big, you know, big impact on me. And what was so amazing is I had many times from eighth grade till I was 23 when he passed away where he would be in the hospital they would call me they'd say come say goodbye he won't make it till morning and when you're like 14 years old that's like a tough thing and you walk in there's all these doctors sitting around and you're like you want to say something profound and intelligent and you can't think of one thing to say and my father when i was talking to him about it once he said to me he said you know what you don't have to say one damn thing mm. i already know what you're thinking he goes, you have it in your heart. You have it in your soul. And he goes, I've raised you right. And I, that confidence he gave me was just unbridled. You know, wow. it was like, I didn't have to feel like I had to impress anyone. I didn't, I just had to be myself. And I knew my parents were very proud of me just being me. So there was really was no pressure. If I won a match, if I won a game, if I, it was like, yeah, they were happy. But I just knew they were proud of me anyway. And that, to me, was very inspiring. Wow. As, and I, I know I'm very, I was incredibly blessed. Incredibly blessed. Beautiful. And I, I, so. Yeah, no, that's amazing. My, you know, my players, my, my, my children, and, and now that my parents are gone, you know, my kids inspire me every day. And um, I learn, and they inspire me by being these just good quality human beings. And that's what I hope to raise. And when I see that I've done that and I see their actions and I see their attitudes and I see the things they do and their own personal happiness, it's inspiring and it's gratifying. And I take that and I look at my players and I invest in them. And I found, that's what I learned from my parents. If you invest in the people you love, what you get back is just, you know, a hundredfold. And you look at them as people who, I look at my players, I want to see them grow on and off the court. And I do, and I learn from them, I'm inspired by them. They, they're so bright and so knowledgeable. When you see them be successful on or off the court, you know you have a part of that. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, again, I don't have this written down, but it's coming to mind right now. Building on sources of inspiration other than your family and your players, I feel like you... I feel like we, you and I both kind of try to get inspired first on our own before we start the day, you know, and whether we, whether we like take a little quiet time or just, just 
we just get into that. We, we make an intention for ourselves first. And then what happens is throughout the day, we kind of seek that in others. Would you agree with that? I, yes. I mean, I wake up every day and I truly am inspired. I'm thankful to have that day. I'm thankful to be healthy. I'm just thankful to have a day where I can do, I'm in control of my day. And there are things that I'm not in control of, but I can control how I participate in that. So I am in control and I'm inspired by that. And I think part of it is, I mean, I know it sounds arrogant in some ways, but I'm very happy with myself. I'm very content. I'm not content to stay the way I am. No, I'm content to keep reaching, keep being inspired, keep going. And that makes me content, meaning happy. And when you do that and you inspire yourself and you feel, it's not you inspire yourself, you feel inspired going out and hopefully touching other people and having an impact, even if you're just at the market and telling someone, hey, how's your day? How's it going? Right, right. You know, have fun, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Builds on your own inspiration, knowing you can inspire other people. So I don't need, I think when I say my parents, you know, my kids, they inspire my players in a different way. I think my parents were my biggest inspiration because they really shaped who I am. And so that's why I look at them as my biggest inspirations. Um, but you're right. I think if you wake up and feel inspired and you look at your day, it's like, this is my day. How right, cool right. is that? Right. How cool is that? No one can take that away from me. I wake up with a smile and you know, no one can take that away from me. If someone pisses me off, I just think to myself, oh, thank God I don't have to live with them. You know, it's like, thank God they're who they are and I'm who I am. Thank <laughs> God I'm me, you know? For sure, for sure. And just last thing on that, I just want to build on, because of the times that we're in right now, the coronavirus, the quarantine, you know, what advice can you give to the player that just got their sport taken away, their season just got ended, and they just feel uninspired right now. What, what, how can you be a source to them right now? I think they should think about when they were playing, what, were they, what was that sport giving to them? What was that experience giving to them? What were they getting out of it? What were they putting into it and then getting out of it? If they, you know, and I think if they want to continue playing that sport, or whether it's for pleasure, whether for its competitiveness, what were they putting in and what were they getting out? Why is it, why, and really look at it. Why is it such a void in their life? And that's kind of a good thing. It's perspective. How do you, it's a good thing. Thank God you have something that you're passionate about, that you love to do, that when it is taken away, you're bummed. And you obviously put a lot of time and effort into it to feel that way. That's a good thing. That's a good mm-hmm. thing. So how do you now take that and either channel it in, you know, let's say you're a boys volleyball player. And there's not a lot of opportunities after high school for the majority of players. There are for right. some, but it's not like for girls, there are not as many opportunities. And I have, I have five seniors who, none of whom are going to go on to play. They'll play on the beach for pleasure. They might play tournaments, but not at a super high level. And, you know, I would say to them, what did you get out of being on a team? What were the things you got out of that? What did you put in? Of, what did you give of yourself? that got you the return that's now making you miss that. That's how you want to live your life. You want to take all those things and realize that if you give of yourself, and no matter what endeavor it is, that you're getting something back, that if they took it away, you're going to miss it. Because if you don't, you probably shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. 
That's awesome. And you know, continue to, you know, continue to work hard because that's what made you feel good about it. You were a part of something and feeling and being a part of something makes you feel good. Find something to be a part of. If you're a leader, you're always going to find a way to lead. If you're someone who likes to kind of follow and just be a part of the group, that's great too. But you had something to offer because you obviously offered something because you got something back. What is that? How do you channel that? That's really what it's about. I mean, you can work out, you can do all those things. There's lots of great workouts and all those things are important too. But I think at this time, it's really the mental aspect that's even more important. Because if you're a kid who's gonna be dedicated and work out, you're gonna do it all through the coronavirus too. But what's the mental aspect? What is the, right. what is it, you know, what does it bring, what did it bring to you? And if it, you should miss it, you should be bummed because you should have put that much effort into it that when they took it away, you're devastated. You know, I mean, yeah. I look at, I look at Oliver when he was, he was the kid who in practice was canceled, was so devastated. You know, he would be like in his room sobbing and then outside playing against the wall. <laughs> he wanted, you know, don't take that away from me. That's my game. That's my thing. You know, shout out to Oliver. <laughs> we love you, man. passion. Yes. Awesome. Um, that's great. Let's move to part two. These are the popcorn style questions and answers. And, um, let's see how it goes. How okay. do you define, how do you define success and what does being successful mean to you? Um, I think success is having your heart be happy. It's feeling good about yourself and what you're doing and accomplishing for yourself and for those around you. It's being successful is kind of, it's being engaged. It's knowing that what you're doing is important to you and hopefully in turn important to others and having an impact and not just, you know, it's, it's being, it's, it's really feeling good about yourself. You know, being successful to me means feeling good about yourself, being able to advocate for yourself, being able to be proactive, being able to, because if you are all those things within yourself, the impact you're going to have on others is going to be positive and that's successful. Love it. How do you consider the idea of failure? I don't. Failure is not a word I use. Failure is really a tool for being successful. Mm. If there are mistakes or missteps, but if you learn from them and are pro proactive and rectifying them, there's no idea of failure. I mean, everyone's going to screw up at a time, but it's a, it's a, I make a choice not to think of it as failure. I make a choice to think of it as, hmm, I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to be inspired by this. I'm going to work harder. And it's really... Um, you know, it's a way of, you know, people say, oh, well, I failed at this. It's like, no, you don't. You don't fail at it. You're going to learn from it. You, maybe you weren't successful at it, but that's only going to inspire you to want to be more successful. If you let it get you, not so good. But if you let it inspire you to keep working hard, you know, don't think it, think of it as a tool. It's like, it's another tool in your toolbox. Wow, I screwed this up. All right, now I'm going to use that to get here. So I'll just pull that tool right out. It's like, so it's really a tool for success rather than being a failure. That's great. What are the most successful habits that you do on a consistent basis? I think I approach each day like a new adventure. I can go after and just like make my own and just really be, um, 
inspired for myself. You know, it's, it's like I say, it's like, it's all about attitude and perspective and how you look at it. And I think successful habits for me are just looking at things in a positive way and just knowing that it, my impact on others is going to be positive because that's a choice I'm making. And if you wake up every day thinking, how can I be, how can I have a happy day? How can I have a fun? I mean, I look at it and say, how can I have a fun day? And not everything is fun. But if I come away feeling like I had a positive impact or I did something well, or I accomplished something, that's fun. That's good. You know? I feel like, I feel like you approach every day, like you're going into a theme park today. You're like, all right, what do I get to do? It's all perspective. It's all how you look at it. I look at it like it's my day and it's my joy, you know? And I, I, again, I look back to my parents who could have looked at every day, you know, like this day sucks. I feel terrible. I'm sick. Instead, they looked at it like, wow, I have another day I get to live. This is pretty cool. How can I make everyone else's day as joyous as mine? And I, and that's a, that's a good way to do it. And, you know, as far as it pertains to sport, I'm lucky to play it. I, I remember so specifically a day at the beach where I was playing with Linda Hanley Gene Meltzer, Gene Goldsmith, and Allison Gardner, all who played on the tour. And we were playing. Gene and Linda were still actively playing. I'd had two kids. I'd had back surgery. I'd had hip surgery. I was old, whatever. And they were nice enough to still let me play with them. And I was struggling that day. And then I looked around. It was a beautiful day. And I thought, oh, my God, how lucky am I? I have three amazing friends. I'm getting to play a sport I love on a gorgeous day okay, I can't pass for whatever, but you know what? I can, I know I can. And I turned it around in that moment, just realizing how lucky and how grateful I was to be in the situation I was in. And that's really the habits you need to have to have a a solid day, you know? That's great. What's the most important lesson that, that, that has helped shape who you are today? The most important lesson. Um, I think to be open and accepting and to Mm. realize not everyone thinks the same, not everyone goes about things the same and to have respect for that. And I was taught that very specific example. Um, I know you've heard this story, but my father was an Italian immigrant, self-made man, conservative, um, very socially accepting, but fiscally very responsible. So kind of, I don't know how you would describe it, but, and he hired, he at the time was head of the school, which was St. Augustine's school in which the, um, the principal had a heart attack and died. And it was a parochial school, meaning a religious Episcopalian school. So he was head of the vestry of the church and head of the school board. He it was his job to find an educator to take over the school. He went out and found Paul Cummins, who was the head of Crossroads, who started the founder of Crossroads School. There were the two most different men you'd ever seen. I was 10 years old. He hires Paul. Paul was was Jewish. He was a renegade. He was a rebel. He was a progressive thinker. The school was a conservative Episcopalian religious school. My dad was a Republican. It was very, the two most different personalities you could think of. And he (laughs) said, I remember him saying to me, there's so many different ways to educate. There's so many different types of people. He's brilliant in his own way. 
times are changing, we need to go with this. And this people who were part of the school originally wanted to crucify my dad. They thought it was wrong. And he had, he just held fast to his belief that Paul was the man to do it. He believed in him. He backed him, supported him. They were completely different people. And he really showed me that, you know what? You have to have an open mind. You have to be open to all different types of thought. That diversity isn't just about race, culture, religious. It's also about thinking and different mindsets. And you need to be open to that. You need to be accepting because you can always learn. And my dad learned from Paul. Paul learned from my dad. Thus ensued Crossroads, which we know has been a success. And it really showed me that, you know, you stick to your guns, but you need to be open and you need to be inclusive and you need to think and you need to be empathetic. All those, all those things went into their relationship and I watched it develop. Day, it, was, it was living right in front of me. It had such a huge impact on me mm. that I think it's really the person I am. There was no judgment. It was just respect. And I look in the world today and the way it is, so much of that is missing and it makes me very sad. Well, that's why we're doing this project right now so that we can start to plant more seeds of that inspiration and, and that positive thinking and the open mindsets. We're doing that with this right now. Um, Being open. Yeah, I love it. Well, that's a perfect segue to this question. Um, how important is the idea of having impact to you? Really important. Um, it's really important to me. I, you know, I, like I say, my parents had such an impact, such a positive impact on me. Um, I think one of the reasons I coach is I had a coach in college who just was determined to have a negative impact. And I kept saying to myself, wow, I could do such a much better job, but that was her choice. And, you know, I, it's like, it's like when I talk to my assistants and say, who are your coaches? I know as a coach, you have an impact. I, it's a, I see it when my players come back to me, introduce me to their fiancés or to their children, or I get invited to their wedding, or I just wrote a letter for someone who's going off to medical school. And they tell me things that they remember that I said to them or awards that I gave them through the process and things I said about them. I had one quote, a great report I wrote about them. And I was like, what? But you realize what an impact you have and hopefully it's a positive impact. And that's, it's important to me because the people who had impact on me or the, my role models and the chance to be a role model, the chance to be a mentor is just not everyone has that opportunity. Right. And right. I have the opportunity every season, you know, with 14 new kids or JV with, you know, 40 new kids. And that's important to me. Yeah, I know. And I love that. What's the biggest challenge you see for your athletes? Hmm. Right now in this environment? Yeah. Hmm. You know, I think kids now, I, I see it now. I run a preschool and I work with high schoolers. So I see the age range. You know, everything is about right now is about immediate gratification. Kids don't have that patience anymore. They, right. some of them lack that grit to really grind and get to where they aspire to be. There's no app for getting better. You, know? <laughs> you just want to push a button and be better. And it doesn't work like that. 
And so the challenge for them is to have that patience, to have that grit, to understand that it takes work. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be given to you. Um, there's no entitlement here. You have to earn it. And I think now more than ever, that's a challenge for today's athletes and for young kids and for young students. And just the, um, you know, I have a, a policy where kids must call me if they're not going to be a practice or they can't text me. It's too easy to hide behind a text. And I remember telling that to a group of boys and one of them saying, well, what if you answer? I was like, what if I answer? That's the whole point. And I said to them, you know, if you have enough guts to call me and ask me for what you need it is, the odds are that I'm going to say yes. If it's that important to you that you are going to call me and ask me, I'm going to probably say, sounds good to me. But they just, they want to hide behind text. They don't want that social interaction. They, they want to start, but maybe not earn that starting spot. They want to have it happen instantaneously. And everything else in their life is pretty instantaneous. And being good at something and achieving and achieving a goal, it's not instantaneous. It takes work. It takes mm -hmm. grit. Right. So, right. Hard. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received and why and from whom? You know, it's twofold. I think the most significant piece of advice was more watching the living actions of my parents was the most important advice I ever got. Just watching how they lived their lives. Um, secondly was the way they taught me, you know, the choices are very important and making choices are important. Not, my father used to say not making a decision is worse than making a bad decision. Make one, make it right. Even if it's not the right decision, learn from it and then it becomes a good decision. And it's really enabled me to make thoughtful choices. Even if they didn't work out, I learned from them and I moved on. So it's really about, you know, um, making choices, making choices that work for you. And if they don't, learning from them and just, you know, moving on. And, you know, as a parent, I'll say this for parents, if any parents are listening with their kids, the best advice I give our young parents at Little Dolphins, they'll say to me, what's the biggest advice you can give? Me? I say, it's one word. And they're like, really? What's that one word? I'm like, no. Learn to say it, learn when to say it, and learn how to keep it. And they're always like, oh, what do you mean by that? And I'm like, you know, don't use it all the time, but when you do, don't renege on it. Say it, be consistent, and your kids will benefit from it. I love that. You're such a yes person that, you know, sure. saying no, I think is a big part of being a yes person. It has an impact. Right. It has an impact. Right. When I say no, I mean it. I don't say it lightly. <laughs> and I, I, I remember a few years ago, we were in the Hamptons and Sag Harbor where it's very dark at night. There's no lights. And my son, who was like 26 at the time, came to me saying he was driving to a bar in Amagansett, which is a couple miles away. And I said, no, not a good idea. 26 years old. And he's like, okay, I won't go. That's fine, mom. And my sister, who had kids who were in the younger 20s, was like, how did you do that? And I said, I don't say no very often. But when I do, they know there's a reason behind it. And the reason was quite selfish. I didn't want to stay up worrying about him driving in the dark after going to a bar. 
Right. And he I never say no. So when I do, he was like, all right, cool. <laughs> so it does work if you start early. I love same it. Same with same with you know, same with my players. When I say no, they don't revisit it because I don't revisit it. MJ, what is your ultimate why? That's a big one. You know, the ultimate why for me is really wanting to be my best self. And the reason I want to be my best self is the why. Because I know that if I am my best self, I positively impact the people around me. And that's really what I want to do. I want to be, whether it's in life or on a court, I just want to be the best version of myself because I know when I do that, it's impactful. And it's impactful on the people directly around me. It's on the people that they impact, on the people they impact, and it just grows. And, you know, I look, you know, I look at, I look at you. When you first came to Crossroads, you came from an environment very different style than what I was leaving at Crossroads. And in the beginning, I thought to myself, oh my God, is this ever going to work? And you know what? You embraced it. And you embraced all of it. And you became this amazing coach and this amazing inspirational just person in life. And, you know, you say like, what's my why? You know, you're one of the whys. That's why I do it. So I can watch the people around me learn and grow, whether they're 94, whether they're six, whether they're 26. And so for me, the why is to want to be my best self so I can have that impact on others. And, you know, just me having a small impact on you is now you having impact on more people. What's better than that? What is better than that? To me, nothing, you know? I know it, does, it sounds very simple, but it's, 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 why, it's why I wake up in the morning. You know, if I, and even, you know, being in quarantine, when you wake up and you go, why? It's Groundhog Day. Today looks like yesterday. Yesterday looks like tomorrow. You know, it's like, whatever. It's all there. But you know what? It's like, pick up the phone. Call someone you know lives alone. You know, really? There's that why. There's always, there's always something positive you can do. Right. And that's my why. I love that. Um, looking at both pyramids, what spoke loudly to you from both? What would you include that is missing? And uh, if you don't have them um, in front of you, I, I, oh, do you have them? I have one. I have John Wooden's. Yeah, there's John Wooden's. And then here's this one, the uh, the inspired living. I don't know if you can see it very well. I have it. I have. I have the small version here. Okay. Um, no, I think it's very well done. I agree with it. I liked on John Wooden's that he had enthusiasm because mm -hmm. that kind of goes with my fun. Um, but at the same time, if you think about it, if you do all these things and adhere to them, fun is inherent in it. So you don't necessarily need to have that on there. If you have health, family, love, friendship, and faith, mm -hmm. odds are you're enjoying your life anyway. And that's right. truly the meaning of fun. Um, right. Passion. I think you added in, you know, a lot of really great things. You know, it's funny when you, I, I was thinking it's interesting you have creativity on there because I have so many friends, people who are my age who always complain they're not creative. 
And I try to explain to them that they are creative. There's no boundaries on creativity. You know, just because you're not on Etsy doesn't mean you're not creative. Right. You know, there's so many ways to be creative. And I think, you know, playing a sport is creative. If you're an athlete, you know, you're creative. I have a good friend who complains how uncreative she is. Now her kids, she can't create for, and I'm like, you're an athlete. You're creative. You know how to create for yourself. You can create. Don't put those boundaries on it. So I think that's incredibly important. Um, I think we're all here to, to create, you know, I like that word consumer. It always bothered me because it's like, we're not here to consume. We're here to create, you know? Right. No, I 100% agree. Yeah, and be confident, but don't be arrogant. That stuck out to me. And I, cool. something I've taught my kids, you know, ingrained in them, Kylie and Oliver. It's like, you know, be confident. You gotta be, you're good. You're, you're a good person. You have so much to be confident about. Yeah. Just don't be arrogant. Cool. Don't be arrogant. You know, I was inspired to create this pyramid and talking with a lot of people, you know, I've realized that, um, I think one of the best things that I could help inspire others is for everyone to create their own pyramid. You know, this pyramid of success worked for John and, and you know, Coach Wooden um, and his teams, and he obviously had amazing success with it. But, you know, moving forward, you know, that's not the end all be all of pyramids. But I think it's really important for everyone to have a destination of where they're trying to head to. You know, and for this project, you know, I think, you know, inspired living is, is something that we should all <clears throat> try to attain on a daily basis. That's, that's part of, that's a big reason why I'm doing this project. But I also encourage everyone to figure out what that is, what that looks like for them and make their own pyramid and figure out their own foundation of all these things and, and work towards the top on a daily basis. It's like a, it's like a, your own compass of like what you're doing. You know, it's so important, and I think it's even more important the more electronic age that we live in, because, right. you know, for young kids, you know, what I see in preschools is kids don't know how to create for themselves. Everything is created for them. Right. And right. they aren't inspired unless it's, you know, being done for them. They're right. looking for outside sources to be inspired, and they need to look from within to be inspired. Mm. So I think if you create your own pyramid, you are looking for what inspires you from within. And that's so important. Wow. MJ, this has been amazing. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, say about any of this stuff? Um, no, I, I think it's, it's inspiring for me that you're doing this project. You know, it's like, cool. It's, I think for some of us, I, I know this isn't meant to sound the arrogant. It's meant to sound the confident. It, it is who we are. Um, it's, it's a product of, of how you've lived your life and you're young you still have many more years to go, you know, but I look and I look at all my years and, you know, hopefully you guys still live and learn and grow. People ask me, why are you still coaching at Crossroads? You know, I'm still at a preschool. I started 26 years ago and I still go there every day. And you know what? If I wasn't living and learning and growing from those two experiences, I wouldn't be doing it. If it mm. wasn't fun, if I wasn't, I, I wouldn't be doing it. And it's really watching the younger people, the people like you, even the preschoolers, and watching them live these inspired lives, which for me, I, I take from that. You got to gobble it up. Part, right. That's one thing. Part of inspired living is knowing what to 
what to seize from others, what to soak in. And I think that's something else. You can't just be confident in this. You need to realize to be inspired and live an inspired life. You need to soak in from others. And I think that's pretty much it. I love that. MJ, thank you, thank you, thank mm-hmm. you. This has been incredible. It's been inspiring. I really appreciate your time and your insights. And uh, you're awesome. You're the best. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by DAF Global. If you're looking to start a podcast or you have a podcast and you're looking for editing services, hit up my guys, Oliver and Garrett at DAF Global. They're awesome. They help me with this podcast and they take care of all kinds of different services like editing and audio enhancement. And they're great to work with. They're also offering a 10% discount to all within the game listeners. So hit my guys up at DAF Global on Instagram and also on their website, www.dafglobal.com dot co dot uk